This is the Discovery 2020 podcast, led by the student group from BSGE, Abdul, Mark, and Alisher. We understand that last year was chaotic, with the news cycle being dominated by COVID-19, the rioting, protests, shootings, and the presidential election. We want to inform people that the world didn't stop because of Global North did. There are happenings occurring worldwide that can have lasting effects, COVID-19 or not. For this reason, in our new podcast, we want to talk about things that may not have been a dominant narrative at the time, or on more obscure news stories. This is episode 2.2. I will be covering the conflict in Tigray, at least the background for it. I will also be doing the background for the uh, first episode of the next season for uh, the NSARS movement of Nigeria. Uh, like I said, I'll be doing these by myself. The next episode, which will be analysis of the impact of the um, human rights violations or the just the basic human impact on ground, will be done by Alishir and Abdul and I'll go from here. So, in order to understand the, con- the uh, excuse me, in order to understand the situation in Tigray, you kind of need to understand how this all came up out of. So, technically, if you want to go really far back, you can go all the way back to Italian colonization or the occupation of Ethiopia and look at that and how everything affected that. But I personally prefer just to look at um, the Derg or the uh, rise of the uh, communist regime in Ethiopia. So, as I said before, this is called the Derg. The Derg were a result of the popular revolution that occurred at the time. As with most revolutions, the Derg took power by slowly building a network of alliances between both military and civilian authorities. While under the Ethiopian monarchy, this Marxist-Leninist revolutionary group would eventually grow to have enough power to topple the entire system. In 1974, the Derg, or what was called the Provisional Military Administration, uh, uh, excuse me, Administrative Council, overthrew the Ethiopian Empire. They immediately set out in creating unitary, autocratic, one-party state with a promise of abolishing feudalism, increasing human development index, such as um, increasing literacy or such, uh, for its citizenry, and sweeping land reform as well as nationalizing uh, many businesses at the time. Also, being in the Cold War, the Soviet Union was quick to ally itself with what would be one of the, uh, its most powerful African allies. Despite all the promises made by the Derg government, they were still incredibly unpopular among Ethiopian citizens. This was not the result of a politically conscious, high-minded society, but rather of differences with Marxist-Leninism and Ethiopian society, as well as the sheer incompetence and perhaps the malice on part of some of the officials. As the Derg were Marxist-Leninist, they established state atheism, something many Ethiopians, regardless of their ethnicity, were strongly opposed to. They also believed in a planned economy. However, as they were not able to efficiently allocate resources where it needed to be, would go on to create the um, conditions for major famines in the future, such as the one that occurred in 1984, where hundreds of thousands of Ethiopians died or had to relocate from their past homes. Obviously, a system like this did not curry much favor from the Ethiopian populace, and eventually, as it would be expected, it all came tumbling down eventually. This is where we see the Tigrayans come in with the TPFL, or the Tigray People's Liberation Front. Tigray is both the name for ethnicity in a region in Ethiopia, which I'll mention, uh, talk more about later, how uh, Ethiopia is kind of structured. Um, they were, and actually still are, a ethnic nationalist paramilitary group and political party at the same time within Ethiopia were actually the leaders of the coalition that took down the Derg government. As stated previously, though it was a coalition 
that the TPLF were leading. So it was a variety of different um, political parties, or soon-to-be political parties, really, and other ethnicities that came together to create one coalition to take down the Dirk government. After this happened, the, uh, as the TPLF had the um, majority of the military assets in Ethiopia, they, were, they dominated the um, Ethiopian military, and they used that power, that is the institutional influence they had by leading the coalition, as well as their obvious presence, large presence, the military actually, to start to form kind of the brass for the nation's political parties. This almost stranglehold that ethnic Tigrayans had on uh, politics in Ethiopia attained well into the early 2000s. To be clear, this new government, led by most of the Tigrayans, called the EPRDF, wasn't that bad, at least in comparison to the previous third government. As a matter of fact, at this time, the Ethiopians did see a natural impact or a positive impact in their lives. Despite all of this, there were still problems that need to be addressed within Ethiopian society. Three of these being blatant corruption, general corruption. It was a sham democracy. A matter of fact, in 2015, the EPRDF won all of the seats in the parliament, despite there being several other parties. Quite deservingly so, this was called the worst election within uh, the years 2012 and 2018. It was also a very unpopular border war with Eritrea. It was a past province of the Ethiopia that broke off after the uh, uh, the EPRDF overthrew the um, Derg, and there's also the questionable financial management of Ethiopia as the debt to GDP ratio skyrocketed compared to its point in 19, the late 1990s and in the late 2000s. All, most of that debt, by the way, belonging to China. As one could imagine, many Ethiopians were dissatisfied with this government. In 2018, after years of protest, the Prime Minister at the time I believe his name is pronounced Heli Mariam, was forced to resign. However, instead of a new EPRDF leader being voted in, two political parties, the ADP and the ODP, formed a coalition that brought in Abiy Ahmed. Now, before I proceed, I should probably mention how Ethiopia is kind of structured, because these political parties are actually named after, well, we already know about the Tigray, but the ODP are, um, the political party for the Oromo and the ADP or the political party for the Amara. So the way Ethiopia is structured, it's almost like if each state in the United States was its own ethnic enclave. So it's a something called ethnic federalism, wherein each region is loosely controlled, mostly one ethnic group. This is by no means uh, unique to Ethiopia, but it is a um, imperative to um, understand the situation there and why the um, conflict is starting to spark off. Now, back to Abiy Ahmed. He was a reformer, to say the least. Most known for his Nobel Peace Prize in brokering peace in the uh, conflict between Ethiopia and Eritrea. He's also responsible for decreasing corruption in Ethiopia, as well as um, women's positions in government and establishing free and fair elections in Ethiopia. He is also responsible for taking the EPDRF, consulting it, and creating a new party called the Prosperity Party. While Abiy Ahmed is very popular among the international audiences, he is not so popular with the TPLF or the Tigrayan people. It is important to understand that the Tigrayans are a minority in Ethiopia, and Abiy Ahmed, someone who isn't too fond of the TPLF and actually wants to create a new 
unitary state that would be distinct from the ethnic federalism from as i um, mentioned beforehand he appears as a quite threatening personality for many tigrans there's also abi ahmed normalizing relationship between eritrea and ethiopia something that would it's fine for most ethiopians but it's something that many tigrans do not want as they are rivals in a sense so conflict between T the tigray and Abiz ababa comes to a head i guess in 2020 where um Ali Ahmed promised there would be elections that year, but canceled them due to the COVID um, pandemic. He did not set up official date for the next election, so it was just kind of a hang up in the air. And it did not give the TPLF an opportunity to compete against the new Prosperity Party. With no new dates for an election, the TPLF ended up um, doing their own regional elections, which obviously they won almost 100%. Matter of fact, they did win 100% of the vote. So from here, you just have this weird back and forth between Abiz Ababa and, and Tigray, where they both call themselves illegitimate. Eventually, this boils over. Abi Ahmed cuts state funding to Tigray. The uh, TPLF calls it an act of war. And where this eventually brings us is that the TPLF attacks an Ethiopian federal army base. And from here, it's basically the start of the civil war. So, as I said earlier, the Tigray are a minority in Ethiopia, but if you're looking at this in terms of military power, you can be kind of deceptive, because while they are a minority in Ethiopia, as I said before, they are also one of the largest military forces in Ethiopia at the same time. So, the situation you have right now in Ethiopia is that Abzababa is trying to attack a well-armed, well-trained region where they are still incredibly unpopular. There's also the possibility that um, the conflict might spill over into neighboring African countries. For example, um, Tigray fired rockets into Eritrea with the justification that um, Eritrea was sending in troops into Ethiopia to fight the Tigrayans. So as of today, this conflict is still happening. The United States recently put down sanctions on Ethiopia, but um, it still looks like a larger humanitarian effort would be needed in order to help out many of the Ethiopians struggling from the war that have either uh, relocated or forced to relocate or have had their farms or where means production they had destroyed or taken. So that would be the context for the first episode of the War in Tigray. And next episode should be Alisher and Abdul talking about the kind of analysis, like what's really happening on ground for the for the people there. And that is all.